1: presented by AT&T connecting changes everything.
2: It's Friday, September 17th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Throughout the pandemic, we have looked to three numbers to track how bad things were getting: case counts, hospitalizations, and deaths. Hospitalizations in particular have been a key figure in assessing the severity of the illness. But a new study suggests that almost half of those hospitalized have mild or asymptomatic symptoms. While some patients are admitted for serious illness, some are there unrelated to COVID and later test positive, but they're all counted toward the overall hospital numbers. David Zweig, contributor to The Atlantic, joins us for a closer look into COVID hospitalizations. Thanks for joining us, David. Thanks for having me. For the longest time throughout the pandemic, we've been using a a few different numbers, a set of metrics to kind of see how bad the pandemic has been going we've been looking at case counts we've been looking at hospitalization numbers we've been looking at deaths and the hospitalization number that one in particular had kind of been the most uh, accurate marker you know at least we thought of how bad the pandemic was doing you know accounting for how how many people were sick with serious illness also important to look at hospitalizations because that's what's impacting the healthcare system the most you know we're hearing stories about rationing now and all that Uh, And, uh, you know, ICU beds, uh, limited capacity on those. But David, you were looking into a series of studies that we've seen recently, how that hospitalization number might be losing a little bit of uh, of its meaning. A lot of people going to the hospital are having more milder or asymptomatic symptoms. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. For much of the pandemic, we look at deaths as one measure of what's happening. And of course, deaths are accurate as far as there's a finality to them. However, they are a lagging indicator. And of course, they also don't account for people who um, were severely sick and and recovered. That's still something we want to measure. Conversely, cases, you know, are very dependent upon who is tested, when they're tested, what you know, what types of people is it really an accurate sample or not? So that that's also not a great measure. So hospitals ostensibly have been a really good measure for where we are in, an, in either as a country or in an individual, you know, region, as far as what the degree of, of problem is with, with, the, with the pandemic. But what I found, there's a new study that just came out and I should mention it is in preprint, which means it hasn't been peer reviewed yet. However, the study had was of a really, really large sample size. It was done in the VA, the Veterans Administration, and it was nearly 50,000 hospital admissions in the VA. And what they found was that nearly half of all admissions that are coded as a, um, that are uh, COVID hospital admission were actually for mild or even asymptomatic cases. And um, your listeners may be wondering um, well, how is that possible? Why would people be in the hospital if right, they exactly. you know, were asymptomatic? So um, not to leave too much of a cliffhanger for you there. So <laughs> and the answer is that there are a lot of people who go to the hospital for any number of things for in a normal time, whether it may be there's trauma from a car accident, you could break your ankle, you have appendicitis, whatever. Um, but most hospitals in the country test every single person who is admitted for covid. It's a policy. So any so you could arrive at the hospital for something else, and you get tested, and then it turns out that you have COVID. So what the researchers found was that a significant portion of the COVID hospitalizations were for people like that or secondarily for people who did arrive with COVID symptoms, but they were mild and they decided to admit these people anyway because maybe it was someone who had some underlying conditions and they just wanted to play it safe or the patient complained of, um, you know, subjectively feeling short of breath, for example. But then those people never progressed into a serious illness.
2: And that's totally interesting, you know, and you don't really think of it when you're hearing coverage of, you know, hospitalizations and how the numbers are up and and all that. You just kind of assume that, oh, wow, if you're in the hospital, those people must be really sick. But you're right. You know, there's a range of treatments, a range of issues of why people might be there, you know, on the on the severe side. You know, you got to be intubated or something. You might need supplemental oxygen. It could be as simple as getting that steroid that everybody uh, you know, has been proven to help out the dexamethasone. So there's a range. And, and when we're hearing a lot about coverage, we're not really hearing the differentiation between how severe it could be. That's
0: right. And and you know what I would urge your listeners to think through is that so the next time you hear about COVID hospitalization numbers, be aware that according to this study, and by the way, I should mention, I also wrote an article for New York Magazine a few months back, on uh, two separate studies which were peer reviewed and they were published by a journal put out by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they their findings echoed the findings in this study. And the pediatric population was 40 to 45 percent of those hospitalizations were also found to be incidental. Um, you know, again, meaning someone arrives at the hospital for something totally unrelated to COVID, then they are tested for COVID and then they get, you know, a box gets checked off. That's a COVID hospitalization. So this isn't to minimize and say that there aren't people who are very sick with COVID. That's real. It's a real thing and it's happening. But the numbers that we hear are not necessarily what many people yeah. would think that they are.
2: And that's always been one of those difficulties throughout the pandemic is, you know, how bad really is it? A lot of it is very individualized that if the COVID-19 affects everybody so differently and we have this wide spectrum of it. So it's always that curiosity. Well, how bad is it? And we hear, you know, headlines. There's one from uh, NBC News. More kids are hospitalized with COVID, but researchers aren't sure if they're sick or we We're seeing things, you know, related to the hospital resources that we have. Idaho declared a statewide hospital resource crisis amid the latest surge they're having to ration care right now and turn people away and, and i read through one of these recent articles nowhere does it really say how many people that are admitted are really that bad and i'm sure i'm sure there are some because that's what we've been seeing but yeah that kind of gets lost in there you know how bad are some of these covid patients
0: I think a really important point that people, you know, need to understand is right is is how these things are measured and what these different things we hear mean. So it's not that they are doing this, you know, trying to trick people. The reason that everyone is coded as as a COVID hospitalization it, simply because they test positive is because that's how hospitals need to treat those patients differently, perhaps isolate them in different ways, and similarly the government uses this to track, you know, the spread of the disease. But the thing that most people interpret hospitalizations to mean, including the media, um, in, you know, it, um, sort of give the impression is that it's not just about the spread of the disease, but hospitalizations as an indicator of severity. Yeah. And that's what this um, particular study and the, also those studies that I mentioned on the pediatric admissions. That's what's so important about this is that hospitalizations can be used as a measure of the spread of the disease, but they shouldn't necessarily be used as a measure of severity of the disease because, again, they're finding that half of them, it's incidental. One really interesting point that a study found was that prior to January of this year, um, it was the number was roughly one third of the patients were incidental or mild course of illness. And then that number bumped up to a half after vaccines became readily available. And in fact, they found that people who are vaccinated had an even higher, it was something like 57% um, were in this mild or incidental category. So this is really um, strong evidence that the vaccines are helping that even if if you are vaccinated, even if you show up at the hospital, your chances of your course of illness being mild um, are much higher.
2: And that's one of the messages that, uh, you know, public health experts have been trying to get across so much is that, yeah, the vaccines do help reduce the risk of having severe illness. Now, to be fair there, a lot of this study was done before the Delta variant became a little more widespread. I still feel it probably tracks the same way, but because, you know, all reports say that the vaccines do protect against Delta as well. But a lot of these numbers do come before that rise really took hold.
0: You're right. However, the study did run through the very end of June, and the researchers specifically looked at this point, and they mentioned that toward the end of June, when Delta you know, was starting to take hold. They did not notice any difference in in the sort of trajectory of these metrics. So um, that is good news as far as there's no indication that that anything would change with Delta. We know that Delta is more contagious, but there doesn't appear to be any evidence that it is more virulent, meaning that it's more dangerous to any individual person should they become infected.
2: Well, I hope that we start to look into a little bit more of these numbers and track these types of numbers and how severe that is, because, as you mentioned, you know, just to get a clearer picture of how severe this thing really is going forward. David Zweig, contributor to The Atlantic and New York Magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday.
1: it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) any disease.